Amen. Well, this morning we're going to continue on our series, Changed. Today we're talking about the gospel in me. And I, I just, when we, when we were putting this series together, this is really a, a home series. This is something we've kind of created within our, our pastoral staff. And, and when, when we, we talked about, we're talking about how the gospel impacts lives. And when we came up with the individual, in my mind, there was nobody else that I could say had the freshest story other than Chris. And I was just like, man. God just radically touched his life. He was baptized in this church. The girl that led him to Jesus came to watch him be baptized. And he's just been an incredible blessing. And so that's, that's the heart of this series. Every week you'll see a story, somebody's story. And either from this campus or Crowley or Jennings. And so just look forward to that. But last week we, we started the series off. We just kind of kicked off with an introduction. And I felt like we had a good time last week. Anybody enjoyed it? Yes. Good. Half of you. Maybe the other half wasn't here. That's okay. We'll enjoy it today, okay? All right. So last week we talked about how the gospel impacts our lives and how it changes us. We talked about how last week we answered a couple of questions. What is the gospel? The gospel is the good news. It's not a real sophisticated uh, word. It's just the good news. Good news of what? Good news of what Jesus did for us. That's, that's what the word gospel means. So you don't need to be afraid of that word. It's just a simple word that says Jesus died on the cross for your sins so that you could be set free. So that you could spend eternity in heaven. And so that you could be brought into a relationship with him. That you could live, live a life that is healed. A life that is set free. Come on, somebody. That's what the gospel is. That's what Jesus did. It's the story of what Jesus did. And many of you here, sitting here today have, have really just run smack dab into the gospel and your life has changed. I'm looking around the room. I remember Becky's story. Becky got smacked by the gospel, right? Life changed. Incredible story. Many of you in this room. How when you met Jesus, the gospel impacted you and something changed. So last week we talked about how things are supposed to change. We're meant to change. Things should continue to change. We also answered the question of what does the gospel do? And we, and we talked about a couple of things, how the gospel, it really, it frees us up. It brings us into a relationship. Come on, it forgives us. That's what the gospel does. It takes the burden of sin that is holding you down and it lifts it off of you and it introduces you to Jesus and Jesus is there waiting and he goes, hey, how you doing? Now we can have a relationship. And I promise you, though, what somebody else may have taught you, the first words out of, his not, out of his mouth are not rules and regulations. Come on, somebody. It's how are you doing? Because here's the clue. Jesus cares for you. He cares about your well-being. He cares about how you're feeling. He cares about your emotions. He cares about your past hurts and wounds. He's concerned about you. And man, let me tell you something. When you get a revelation of that, it'll knock you on your knees, man. I'm telling you. It'll put you on your knees and tears will start to fall. When you realize that he just really is concerned about me. So for the next couple of weeks, we're going to talk about how the, the gospel impacts the family, how it impacts marriage, how it impacts our work, our finances, the church, and even our community. Because the gospel is so powerful, it should affect everything around you. Right? When you met Jesus, something should have changed so radically that the people around you noticed a change. Right? 
Like Chris's story, he went from hate to love. Come on, you know some folk that need to (laughs) go from some hate to love, right? Well, this morning I want to talk to you about the story of Zacchaeus. Many of you know the story of Zacchaeus, or if you don't, you may know the nursery rhyme that he was a wee little man. And a wee little man was he, climbed up in a sycamore tree to see what he could see. I'm, I'm going to start making up words in a minute. I mean, if I had somebody I could, I'd really get busy, but it's a good thing we don't have that. So uh, anyway, I don't know where that came from. But today we're talking about Zacchaeus and Zacchaeus' story is found in the book of Luke. So if you would turn your Bible to the, the book of Luke chapter 19, we're going to start in verse one. I'm going to read the whole story and then we're going to break it down. And what we're going to talk about today is what happened, what Zacchaeus' life was before the gospel. We're going to talk about the moment of impact. And then we're going to talk about changed and how his life was changed by the gospel. Can we do that? Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this morning. I pray for an open heaven and an open mind and an open heart. I pray that all distractions leave, all, 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 all things that are trying to take our attention and our focus away. I just pray you open us up, Lord, and pour inside of us this gospel. Pour the gospel inside of us today, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Luke 19, verse 1. Jesus entered Jericho and made his way through the town. There was a man there named Zacchaeus. He was the chief tax collector in the region, and he had become very rich. He tried to get a look at Jesus, but he was too short to see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore tree beside the road, for Jesus was going to pass that way. When Jesus came by, he looked up at Zacchaeus, and he called him by name. He said, Zacchaeus, quickly come down. I must be a guest in your home today. Zacchaeus quickly climbed down and took Jesus to his house in great excitement and joy. But the people were displeased. He's going to be the guest of a notorious sinner, they grumbled. Meanwhile, Zacchaeus stood before the Lord and said, I will give half my wealth to the poor, Lord. And if I've cheated people on their taxes, I will give them back four times as much. Jesus responded, salvation has come to this home today. For this man has shown himself to be a true son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and save those who are lost. Ah, What a story. I mean, just what an incredible story. This little bitty guy, Zacchaeus. And I'm going to tell you a little bit about him. The Bible doesn't give us a whole lot about Zacchaeus, but you can learn about tax collectors back in the day. And you can learn about how those guys and what the culture was like and what they did and what they didn't do. So Zacchaeus was a regional chief tax collector. In other words, he was over a region. And in those days, the Roman government, I guess to save face, would hire or subcontract civilians to go and receive taxes from the people. Okay, so Zacchaeus would go to the homes, knock on the doors. You owe X amount of taxes according to Caesar or whoever it was. And he said, you have to pay this much amount. Now, what he would do is he would collect more than what was required because whatever he collected above what Rome wanted, he got to keep for himself. Okay? So the deal the Roman government made with Zacchaeus was, Zacchaeus, we want you to take 10%, I'll just give you an example, 10% of everybody's income, but whatever you collect above 10%, you get to keep. So you can make as much money as you want. 
So in other words, they gave him a license to lie. A license to steal. A license to cheat. And gave him freedom to do so. In other words, the law is not going to mess with you. Come on, somebody. So Zacchaeus goes and the Bible says that the Bible says that he became very rich. What that really says is that he was good at lying. He was good at stealing and he was good at cheating. (laughs) Very good because he became very rich. And so chief tax collectors, even simple tax collectors were despised in those days. They were actually called sinners. In today's term or in today's standard, they would have the same reputation as a pimp. He, he may have had a, a, a better reputation, I mean a worse reputation than Bernie Madoff, who, who walked off with billions of people's money. That's the most recent example. But he was despised. He was wealthy, but he was despised. You've heard it said money don't bring happiness, right? He had plenty of money, he just didn't have no happiness. The Bible also says that Zacchaeus was short. <laughs> Can I just tell you from my own, just, just something from my stomach that I just, it burns me up. It's just, there ain't nothing burns me up worse than a short person with authority coming and stealing something from me. <laughs> right? Gee, you're short, you have authority, but you don't steal. That's God, I can live with that. Okay? But I mean, just a short dude walking around, you know he's already got a chip on his shoulder, Right? And now he's got the authority from the Roman government to come and take as much money as he wants to take from your pocket. Me and Zacchaeus would have had a few rounds. Right? But the Bible says he was short. And I'm just being honest with you. Something about me just kind of goes, that's good for you. (laughs) Nothing against short people, just this guy. Just this guy. I love you. Oh, you, the Bible says that lo, Jesus is with us, right? <laughs> He's with you. Right, I'm going to stop. Like a, they're just rolling, man. They just <laughs> can't stop it. <laughs> but Zacchaeus was the last person that anybody ever expected to change. I mean, people just hated the brother. I bet he only had friends in his occupation. Right? I mean, he could only be friends with other tax collectors because they were the only ones that really liked each other. Right? Now, guys with his status, guys that are very rich, guys that are, are wealthy and even, uh, they, they, don't, they didn't normally follow the religious leaders. I mean, you're a thief, uh, a liar, and a cheat. You don't go hang out with the religious leaders. Right? So these guys would, would not normally be in this moment where they hear that Jesus is coming to pass through and then go out to see. That's just not something that they would normally want to do. Follow me? Normally they're trying to hide from the religious people so that they don't feel guilt and condemnation. Right? So, so the fact that Zacchaeus was even here is strange. You with me? And the, and the Bible even says that he ran. And in those days, those guys didn't run. They didn't. It wasn't normal. Unless a bear was chasing you, right? <laughs> Let me give you something that's, that's real interesting. Jesus, when he sees Zacchaeus, he calls him by name. He says, Zacchaeus. The Bible doesn't say if they've met before. 
right? But he calls him by name. You know what Zacchaeus' name means? You know what the word Zacchaeus means? This is funny. Clean and pure. Wow. His name means clean and pure. So, so put this in your mind. Jesus is walking, sees the short guy in the tree, and he says, hey, clean and pure. You know what's funny is when Jesus saw you, he called you what you weren't currently at the moment. He called you by name. He called you by how he saw you. Come on, somebody. That's good. He, 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 so he sees you a certain way and he calls you and he speaks to you with that perspective. Right? He still does that today. When Jesus looks at you, he sees you justified. Just as if you did nothing wrong. He saw Zacchaeus just as if he never stole a penny. Zacchaeus was the last person anybody expected to change, but he was probably the very person everybody was praying to change. Right? And many of you in this room were that person. Many of you, and you, many of you in this room have the same story that Chris may have, where you came from a family with a bad reputation. And you took upon that reputation upon yourself. Or some of you come with a, with a reputation like Zacchaeus, and that's where you just, you, just, you just impacted with the gospel, and that's where Jesus found you. Anybody like that? Anybody just come from a family of hoodlums? It's okay to raise your hands. I know most of your stories already. I did. I mean, when I got pulled over by the cops, I didn't want to give them my license. Because if I was speeding, it would be like a speeding ticket plus a, a family ticket they would give me. You're just, you're just you in the family. You get another ticket for being in the family. Let's talk about the moment of impact. Let's look at verse 4. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree because the road beside the road for Jesus was going to pass that way. When Jesus came by, he looked up at Zacchaeus and called him by name Zacchaeus. So Zacchaeus is standing behind the crowd. Can't see. Too short. Couldn't see. So what did he do? He ran back to where Jesus was going to go and he climbed up a tree so that he could see. Right? So he kind of dropped back, estimated where Jesus was going to be. And he climbed up a tree in preparation to see Jesus. You with me? So here comes Jesus. Jesus is coming along, got this crowd of people around him. He's just walking. I mean, he just had crowds that followed him all the time. He comes walking, sees the little guy in the tree, says, hey, Zacchaeus. Quickly come down. I want to be a guest in your house. He invites himself to Zacchaeus' house. The Bible says that Zacchaeus quickly came down and took Jesus to his house with great excitement and joy. But the people were displeased. Because he is going to be the guest of a notorious sinner. They grumbled. Ain't nothing like some good old religious folk, huh? I mean, just Jesus shows up in your life and you start to change a little bit. And there they are. Mm, look at them. Think they better than everybody else. Give them five days. They'll be back to where they was. 
I remember them. Come on, that's what religious folk do. You need to be making some religious people mad. You know how you do that? By changing. Because when you change, you affect them. And then they got to live with themselves. The definition for impact is when one object comes forcibly into contact with another object. That day, Zacchaeus was impacted by the gospel when he met Jesus. So let me give you three ways to be impacted by the gospel because I believe all of us today are either in one or two places. One place you may have never met Jesus and you're here today because you're going to meet Jesus. You're being impacted by the gospel right now. And then for the rest of us, you're here and maybe you've been impacted by the gospel. Your life has been changed, but for some reason you kind of, you got knocked out of gear. You're in neutral. And you found yourself here today in a place where you've just kind of been existing. You've just kind of been around. I call it, you're in a comfortable distance from Jesus. That's where you find yourself. You're at a comfortable distance from Jesus. In other words, I've, I've slipped away far enough that it feels like he doesn't notice me. I can keep my eye on him, but he's not focused on me anymore. So I can just kind of lay back for a little while. Right? In football, this would be the guys that would be running at the back of the pack. When we had to run laps for somebody being an idiot. They just lay back. They do the bare minimum. Some of you may find yourself there today. And so my prayer is that you run smack dab into the gospel today. Is that okay? So there's three ways to be impacted by the gospel. This is for the believer and the unbeliever. Number one is you need to reposition yourself. You need to change your position. Zacchaeus was in a place where he couldn't see Jesus and Jesus couldn't see him. So what did he do? He stepped back, ran to the tree, climbed the tree so that he could see Jesus and Jesus could see him. Right? Some of you need to reposition yourself so that you can see Jesus again. I know in my own life as a believer that there's seasons I go through where there's times I don't want to be a Christian. I I don't don't want to be a preacher. I don't want to be a good husband. I don't want to be a good father, right? I don't want to be a good friend. I want to lay back. I want to put it on cruise for a little while. Can I just be honest with you? I believe all of us feel that at time to time, right? And you may be here today, and let me tell you something. That's okay to be there today. It's not okay to leave here today like that. You need to reposition yourself where you can see Jesus. In other words, you've got so many things in your life that you can't see Jesus anymore, and it feels like he can't see you. It's funny, but evidently there was something about Jesus that got Zacchaeus' attention, right? Because these guys didn't normally go follow the religious leaders because he was scamming people. But some reason Zacchaeus got interested in Jesus. I don't know if it was he heard somebody talking. I don't know if maybe his neighbor got saved. I don't know if the guy that used to want to kill him when he came to collect his taxes finally turned around and blessed him and and had his wife bake him a cake when he came to rip him off. I I don't know. I don't know what happened, but for some reason, Zacchaeus was interested in Jesus. So he shows up this day that Jesus is walking through. He did something that he didn't normally do. 
some of you need to break the norm this morning. Come on, your life, you, if you'd be honest today, you'd just say, my life is boring. You need to shift a gear. You need to do something different. You need to scream or shout or run around your house or, I don't know, something. But whatever it was, something drew Zacchaeus to Jesus and he did something about it. Like Zacchaeus, we have to step out into something different to be impacted by the gospel. If you're here today and you're at a comfortable distance from Jesus, I just pray your comfort leaves and that you reposition yourself. Number two, the second way to be impacted by the gospel is to look for Jesus. (laughs) You got to look for him. (laughs) Some people say, oh, feel Jesus. Well, are you looking for him? How are you looking for him? I don't know. I'll go to church. That ain't good enough. Right? You got to look for Jesus. There was something about Jesus that Zacchaeus had to see. I think he realized that there was something missing in his life. There was this emptiness, this void that he was feeling and sensing. Because listen to me, you don't have to tell a thief he's a thief. You don't have to tell a sick person that they're sick. I mean, my wife's never come up to me and said, baby, you're sick. And I went, I am. That didn't happen. I know I'm sick, right? Nobody had to tell me I was a sinner and that I was lost. Right? I believe Zacchaeus had this emptiness inside, this longing to to have something greater than what he already had. This brother was rich. He probably had a nice tent, blinged out chariot, and like a Ford mule or something. I mean, you know what I'm saying? He just, he was blessed. I mean, he just, he had the best of the best. Pray for me. But I, I feel like he had something missing in his life. Much like in Chris's story. Came to a point where there was just something missing. That's when you start asking yourself these questions and you start having these thoughts. Is there more to life than this? Can it be better than this? For some of you that you're believers here today and you may be thinking those thoughts. Is, can it just be better than this? Can my life be better than just showing up at church and acting like everything's fine? Where's this emptiness coming from? Zacchaeus did something different and he started looking for Jesus. First thing he did was show up at a place that he's not normally meant to show up. It wasn't his reputation to be there. I imagine a few people went, what the heck's he doing here? Some of you walked into church today and somebody that knows you went, what the heck they doing now? But he did something different. He went, he just showed up. And then while he was there, he got so impacted that he couldn't see that he just ran and climbed a tree. I mean, he put the extra effort in to see Jesus. Are you getting this? Some of us are so busy, we're so scheduled, and we're so full that we don't have time for Jesus. You couldn't pencil Jesus in if you just sharpened your pencil. Right? I mean, your, your schedule is so tight, you just like, you, and you're thinking you're doing the will of God, you're thinking you're doing the right thing, but you're not meeting with Jesus. 
You need to do like Zacchaeus and you need some of you tomorrow need to go clear your schedule and say, you know what? I'm taking the first hour of the day off. I'm going to spend some time with Jesus. We, we preached a message called margin a couple months back or probably a year ago. Changed my life because I had no margin. I believed I was supposed to work for Creative Edge and preach on Sundays. And that's all I was supposed to do. I had no margin in my life. None. I stayed on the phone more than I stayed with Jesus. I was so scheduled, I didn't have time for Jesus. Some of you need to plan an impact moment with Jesus, and that's where you schedule gets cleared. That's where you make preparations to be impacted. You see, Zacchaeus broke out of the norm. He climbed a daggone tree just to see Jesus. And we have a hard time calling in late for work sometimes because we're having a holy moment with Jesus. Come on. <laughs> I can't say that. Zacchaeus' life was forever changed because he did something he didn't normally do. He stepped out to see Jesus and he was forever changed. You see, he tried to see Jesus and in that moment, Jesus saw him. That the, 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 here's the real thing. Zacchaeus made himself available for Jesus. And sometimes that's all you need to do. You just need to clear it out and say, Lord, I'm here. And I guarantee you that he's coming. The Bible says he's standing at the door and he's knocking on the heart of your life. Let me in. Let me in. And all you got to do is swing the door open and. The Bible says you have a moment of impact where he sits at the table of your life and he dines with you. Some of you need to prepare the table for Jesus this morning. Right? You need to open the door and prepare the table to have a moment with Jesus. The third way the gospel impacts us is, 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 is when we accept his invitation. Jesus meets Zacchaeus. He calls him by name. He says, quickly come down. I want to be a guest at your house today. It's kind of rude, right? I don't mind Jesus being rude. Right? I mean, you come to my house anytime. If I don't open the door, kick it open. But, so he invites himself to Zacchaeus' Zacchaeus's place. And look how Zacchaeus acts. He quickly came down. He moved quickly. You know why we need to move quickly as believers whenever it's time to spend time with Jesus and you have a, a moment where you can spend with Jesus? You better move quickly because the enemy and the world and everything else is coming to quickly steal that time, coming to quickly bring a distraction. When you, when you sense the moment that you, or you clear your schedule and go, God, this is our moment, you better turn your cell phone off. Put it outside in the garbage can or lock it in your car, something so that you can have a moment with Jesus. And you better do it quickly because the enemy's trying to steal it. He's trying to bring a distraction. I can't tell you how many times I told myself I was in this place and I go, all right, I'm taking the first. I'm getting up at six from six to seven. That's my time with Jesus in the mornings. And I would turn my phone off and I would go to the bathroom and I, I got to have coffee. I it makes things better with me and Jesus when I have coffee, right? Some of you can relate, right, Zach? And so I, I got to have my, so if I don't quickly jump on that, how many times did the phone ring 
Or did somebody bang on the door? Or did I get a text message? Because I wouldn't turn it off. I would put it on silent. And you're trying to have a moment with Jesus. And brr, brr, oh, Lord, I love you. Lord. Brr, brr, brr. Excuse me. Lord. Come on. How rude is that? You got the creator of the universe sitting at your table and you taking a phone call from somebody with a problem. You got to quickly jump on it. You got to quickly take advantage of it because there's everything in the world trying to steal your time with Jesus. Zacchaeus quickly came down and he took Jesus home with him. I believe in that moment he didn't care anymore. I believe in that moment, he, didn't wor- he wasn't worried about money. He wasn't worried about the Roman government was happy with him. He didn't worry about his reputation anymore. In that moment, this brother climbed a tree. He was desperate to be with Jesus. And Jesus looks up at him and says, I'm coming to your house today. And he quickly climbs down and he takes Jesus home. And he didn't care about anything. I'm willing to bet that Zacchaeus was up for whatever Jesus wanted to do. I know he didn't have a, a plan. I know he didn't have an agenda because he had no idea Jesus was showing up in his life that day. Right? He just quickly came down and took Jesus home with him and had an incredible moment. Wow. Isn't that good? Despite his reputation, despite his past sins, his actions, his greed, his filth, and the condition of his heart, he was blown away about the fact that Jesus himself wanted to spend time with him. Some of you need to get that revelation this morning. That Jesus, the Son of God, who died on the cross for your sins and rose three days later and ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of the Father, wants to spend time with you. You know what you need to do when the enemy's beating you up and he's tearing you down? You need to look in the mirror and say, you know what? Jesus wants to hang out with me. Jesus is hidden at my table. I ain't got time for you, devil. Right? Some of you are too afraid to be mad at the devil. You get mad at me before you get mad. I'm not the devil. I just act like him sometimes. But that's where, the, that's where the rubber met the road in Zacchaeus' life is that the Messiah, this guy with the perfect reputation, this guy who did all the miracles, this guy that fed 5,000 people with only a few fish and some bread. He's walking down the street of my life and he looks up at me and says, I want to come to your house. Oh, God, he wants to come to my house. Come on. Some of us just need to say, come on. It may just simply, man, come on. He understands that. Jesus doesn't need subtitles. Zacchaeus knew he was lost. He knew it was empty. He knew he was a sinful man. He knew his reputation. He could tell when he went to the to the super to the super to the to the grocery store. <laughs> the tongue, the tongue twister. 
He knew how people looked at him. He knew how people treated him. He knew what people said about him behind his back. He could feel it. There was something that they didn't like about him. And he was beat up. He was broken. He was tormented. Most of it self-inflicted, but there was other people around him that beat up on him. The religious leaders would come by and throw some religion on him and knock him even further down. He's already short. I mean, knock him even further down. I mean, he's short bent over. That's bad. He didn't need nobody else to beat him up. He didn't need nobody else to tell him what he did wrong. He just simply needed an invitation. I just want you to know today that invitation still stands. He's inviting every single person in this room this morning to come to dinner, to come sit at his table and dine with him. The gospel impacts you three ways. You reposition yourself, you look for Jesus, and you accept his invitation. Don't run from it. Just accept it. Just accept it. Now let's look at Zacchaeus' life after he met Jesus, after he accepted the invitation, after he, he made himself available to Jesus, after he saw Jesus and Jesus saw him, and he brought Jesus home with him. Let's see what happens. Verse 8, Meanwhile, Zacchaeus stood before the Lord and said, I will give half my wealth to the poor, Lord. And if I've cheated people on their taxes, I will give them back four times as much. Jesus responded, salvation has come to this home today. For this man has shown himself to be a true son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and save those who are lost. You see, when you run into the gospel, you're changed. You're so changed that it almost like it throws your life in reverse. That's what repentance is. When you repent is when you, you repent means that, that you were first walking this way, being led by the devil in your flesh. And when you meet Jesus and you repent, that means you turn this way and you walk away from the devil and you walk towards Jesus and you get closer to him. That's what happened to Zacchaeus. He jumped down from the tree, brought Jesus home. I, the Bible doesn't say what they talked about. But all of a sudden, he's wanting to give all his money away. Now, you know Jesus got a hold of your heart when you start giving your money away. Right? I mean, you start tithing, that brother got saved. (laughs) And here's the funny thing. The lost people around you, they know it too. Right? You run into Jesus and God does something to your heart and you start loving your neighbor. What happened to him? You know that boy come over here the other day? And he brought me. He brought my tools back. I knew that little sucker stole my tools. But he brought them back. What's up with that boy? Because you see, when Jesus gets a hold of you, you want to change. You want to do something different. Right? Because you've had a heart change. The Bible, we talked last week how when you meet Jesus, the old man is dead and the new man has come. The new life has begun. And like Chris said, it's a journey. It doesn't mean that you give your life to Jesus and everything's just perfect. Right? You're going to continue to fall. You're going to continue to sin, but you're going to get back up. And now you get to hang out with some folks that are going to help you back up. 
And if you've got friends that don't want to help you back up, you need to get some new friends. But you're changed. You're not the same anymore. The old man is dead. The new man has come. Something's different. You don't have to go and tell people scripture. You don't have to go Bible beat people anymore. You see, that's what religious folk do because there's no change in their life. So now they got to start beating them with the Bible. When the reality is, is when you run into Jesus and you have a life that's impacted by Jesus, you're going to change and you don't have to say a word. People are going to change because of the changes happening in your life. You've heard us say there's four gospels in the Bible. We believe there's five, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and then there's you. And most people in the world don't read the first four, but they definitely read you. And if you'll just let Jesus do what he wants to do in your life, if you'll just go with the flow, just go with the change, just let him do something in you. You preaching, baby, you preaching, your life is preaching, your charity is preaching. Your generosity is preaching. When you go to the school and you cook some chicken for some teachers, you're preaching. When you give them some pencils and some ink pens and some paper, you're preaching. People around you are looking at you, your family. You're preaching to your family because they know you better than anybody else. What's funny is today people can tell you, oh, they just got religious. They didn't get saved. They just got religious. Man, I don't want that said about me. I don't want to stand before Jesus one day and he said, well done at being religious. Good boy. You ran more people off than you brought into the kingdom. No. I want Jesus to say, man, thanks for letting me change you. Thanks for just opening the door and letting me come sit at your table. Because there's a cloud of witnesses watching you. There's people watching you every day. Your coworkers, your boss, the the little girl at the grocery store that can't ever get it right. Right? The people at the gas station that don't ever refill the the, the receipt thing. And you got to walk inside. And you walk inside and you say, hey, I don't have my receipt. And last week you just cussed them out about the receipt. They go, hmm, something happened to them. Or they may even look at them and go, Thank you, Lord, for changing that person. (laughs) Something's got to be different. His ways changed. He started doing things different. Instead of getting, he started giving. He gave back all that was stolen. The impact led him to generosity, which was totally unlike the, the old him. I bet all of his guys that were in the same business, they were like, man, what are you doing? Zacchaeus, you fell out that tree. What you doing? You can't give those people their money. You better not tell them we scamming them. These folks need to be worried about you when you get saved. I can only imagine how those people freaked out when they saw the change. Can you imagine the moment that he goes and he starts bringing money back? I bet there's more people passed out that day than any other day in the, in the history of the world. When the little short man with the Bonaparte spirit comes walking up with money in his hand and he starts giving it back to the people. Just imagine the IRS sending you a check. I claim it too. And I, right after I get off of the floor, you had to wake me up 
But imagine, imagine the world around him and how it changed, how people saw him different. I imagine the religious folk went crazy. I mean, this guy, he didn't just give them back their money. He gave some of them back four times. Wow. Your best message is your change. It preaches louder than anything else. You know, when you're impacted by the gospel, you don't have to shout it from the rooftops. I remember we used to sing a song back in the church I grew up in. You had to shout it from the rooftop. I've been saved. There's nothing wrong with that. You want to shout it? Shout it. I mean, hey, may the Lord bless you. (laughs) Climb up on the building and shout it. Got a ladder in the back. But you just better make sure before you shout it, there's something changing in your life. Because the world's heard millions of people say, I'm changed, I'm changed, I'm changed, I'm changed. And never see anything different. Because you see the reality is the realness of Jesus is a changed life. When you meet Jesus, it's a real relationship. Something about you changes and you're never the same again. Amen. Second Corinthians 318. I'm gonna close with this says this says all of us who have had the veil removed can see and reflect the glory of the Lord. And the Lord who is the spirit makes us more and more like him. As we are changed into his glorious image. We are supposed to be changed into his image. We are supposed to be becoming more and more like Jesus. Right? More and more like Jesus. He's making us more and more like him. How do you become more and more like Jesus when you spend time with him? My son's going back to school tomorrow. He's probably going to come back from school with a new laugh. Because he's got a couple buddies that the daddy didn't teach him how to laugh like a man. They laugh like a girl. So, and they laugh loud. So what happens is that Ethan, when he gets around them, he tends to want to laugh like them. You follow me? It just happens. Don't, don't laugh at Ethan. Y'all do the same thing. But the reality is, is that you are who you hang out with. You want to be more like Jesus? You need to spend more time with Jesus because he wants to make you more and more like him. Amen? Isn't that good news? Doesn't that just kind of feel good? It's okay to say it feels good. Does it feel good? Does it give you hope? Does it give you courage? Does it give you something to stand on? The Messiah, the Savior of the world wants to sit at your table. And he wants to hang out with you. You just need to see it as simple as that. That he just wants to hang out with you. He wants to talk with you. He wants to break bread with you. He's not coming with a list of everything that you've done wrong. He's not coming to bring judgment. That's for a later time. You with me? He's coming to just love on you. And to care for you. And to mend your wounds. And to heal your scars. And he's just coming to take all the things that people said about you. And break those lies. And give you the truth of how he sees you. And what he has for you. That's all he wants. He doesn't have anything negative for you. The Bible clearly says that he has good for you. And he loves you. We need to be impacted by that. I want you to close your Bibles. I want you to stand up. This morning, 
I want to give you an opportunity to be impacted by the gospel. Because I believe as Christians, as people that came to church today, whether you know Jesus yet or not, we're intended to change. We're intended to have life. The true definition of salvation is when somebody who was spiritually dead becomes spiritually alive. That's a change. Right? You were once spiritually dead. Now you're spiritually alive. Religion says that you, gotta, you, were, you were once a bad person and now you've got to be a good person. That's not true. You, you're going to want to be a good person because Jesus is sitting at your table and that's who you're hanging out with. Amen? So I, I want you right now, if you're here and you've never been impacted by the gospel, if you've never met Jesus, man, praise God. I'm glad you came to church today because <laughs> you have an opportunity to meet Jesus today. If that's you, in a moment, I'm going to give you an opportunity to come to the front. And I want to pray for you. My wife will pray for you. And we're just, all we're going to do is just introduce you to Jesus. I'm not going to cast no spell on you. Right? I'm not going to do nothing of that stuff. I'm just going to pray for you and introduce you to Jesus. And if for those of you who are here and you've been a believer for a long time and you can just really get real with yourself today and say, you know what? I've been far away from Jesus. My door's been shut. I haven't answered the door, Pastor. I've been eating by myself. I've been eating cold meals by myself. If that's you, listen, I just want you to get real this morning. I want you to come to the front. I want to pray for you that you just get a fresh touch from God, that you just get re-impacted by the gospel. Amen. Can we do that this morning? We're going to do it anyway. So just lift your hands towards heaven this morning. And as I pray, you can just start to come to the front. Father, I come to you and I thank you for this morning. I thank you for your word that is sharper than a double-edged sword, that it's piercing hearts this morning. I pray against pride. I pray against reputation. I pray against anything that would hold anybody back from either being re-impacted by the gospel or initially being impacted by the gospel today, Lord. I just pray for an open heaven this morning, right now. And Lord, those who are empty, those that are lonely, those that are in a pit of despair, those that feel the void in their life, if that's you this morning, I just, I just ask you to come front. Come to the front. Are you here and you never met Jesus before? Come to the front. Step out and do like Zacchaeus did. Do something you don't normally do in church. Do something different. Reposition yourself today. Reposition yourself today. If you come to the front and you need a touch from Jesus, all you got to say is, I just need a touch from Jesus. That's all you got to say. So this morning, Lord, I just invite you. I ask you to come and touch your people. I ask you to come to fill our lives fresh and new. Lord, there's some empty people in this room. I just pray right now, Lord, you just begin to fill their tanks. Right now, in the mighty name of Jesus, fill their tanks, Lord. And I just pray for an open heaven. And I thank you, Jesus, that you want to sit at our table and you want to love on us and, and you, want to, you want to just dine with us. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for caring for us. Thank you for loving us. Thank you that you'd even want to hang out with me, Lord. 
despite my reputation, despite my failures, despite my sin, despite my stupidity, despite my selfishness. You want to be with me. You want to come to my house. And you want to sit at my table. Lord, I thank you, Father. I'm in no hurry, y'all. If that's you today, I don't want to leave. I don't want you to miss this opportunity. There's nothing to be ashamed about by saying, I need more Jesus. There's no condemnation for that. Every person that steps out, I believe there's an eruption in heaven. I believe the cloud of witnesses in heaven are rejoicing. Thank you, Jesus.